You are listening to Restoring the Branches Ministries. Our mission is to reconnect Yah's people to the root and truth of his word. We have been called to take Yah's healing to the nations, remove the stumbling block out of the way of his people, and teach as well as model the importance of serving the living Elohim in spirit and in truth. We live by Romans 15 and 4, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Started, so before we get started, we're going to start with prayer. We'll go right in. So, Father God, we thank you, the Father, for this day. Yeah, we thank you, the Father, for the prayer of life. Yeah, uh, we thank you for your great Shabbat day for allowing us to be able to enter to your rest from the chaos of the world, from uh, all the things that's going on throughout the week, and, and just you know, ups and downs, lows and highs. But we're able to come here today and and rest on you, and we're able to ponder on you and your word, um, and we can be uh, made new and be renewed and be refreshed. Um, so, yeah, we thank you, the Father, for your word, for it's the healer, um, for it um, cleanses, for it rectifies the neshma, the ruach. Um, it, it, it rectifies you know, all those things that keep us that keep us down. So, yeah, we thank you um, just for your presence. We thank you for um, your word. We thank you for, for your Torah, for it guides us into the light. And away from the darkness. Um, so, yeah, we thank you. Yeah, we praise you. Yeah, we love you. Uh, may, may, may your servant speak. May Yahshua Mashiach speak. Um, that the words uh, pierce the heart, mind, and soul of the people. That we leave here different than when we came in. Um, so, yeah, may we be made new. Uh, may we have a deeper understanding of the word. Uh, may we have a deeper understanding of your Torah. Uh, may we just continue to be fueled by the word. Let the fire burn within us. Um, that way we can continue to go forward. Uh, with, with a lot of zeal, uh, with a lot of uh, passion, and with a lot of uh, fire for you, God. So, God, we thank you, God, we praise you, God, we love you. Just continue to be with and lead you with all your people here, um, and that our ears are attentive to the words um, that are brought forth. So, God, we thank you, and we praise you for everything that you do in Yahshua. Come with Shia's name, we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So, our message for today is called Hanging On to Hope. And um, the picture that I chose was you see the red rope hanging out of a window. Um, and it reminds me of Joshua, the second chapter. Um, Rahab um, used this rope um, uh, to help um, the men escape out of the window. And the rope represents a cord of hope, right? In the midst of chaos, in the midst of you know destruction, right? She held on. She held on and hung on the cord of hope, right? She still had hope that the Israelites, that the Most High God of Israel, was safe, even in the midst of trial, in the midst of chaos, destruction. She still held on to the hope. That she would be saved and everything be all right. 
So I just thought that was a beautiful picture um, for this message. So let's go ahead and get started. So today we're going to be looking at hope and how important it is for us to have hope to have a healthy, productive life. Okay. So a lot of times when we think of hope, a lot of times we think about optimism or the feeling that our situations and circumstances will get better. But what if I told you hope is different from optimism, right? And not the exact same. So optimism is more about circumstances, but hope is more about the person, right? Our mindset and how we react and how we operate around in things, okay? So um, optimism and hope are two different things. So let's look into hope a little bit deeper. These are two Hebrew words for hope that we see a lot. So we have kava and we have yachal. So these are the two Hebrew words that you'll see that we'll be going into about hope, right? And what hope truly means in a Hebraic sense. Uh -huh. So now, when we look at yachal, which is one of the Hebrew words, it says yachal means to wait, hope, expect, right? Um, to tarry, wait for, hope for, right? That is yachal. That is yachal. Now, when we look at kava, kava means the same thing, to wait, look for, hope, expect, to collect or bind together. Um, and so kava, right, it's an extension of the word tikwa, tikva, right? Uh -huh. Which is a chord, right? And so right. in essence, Hope is like when a cord is pulled, it represents the tension of waiting or the or the tension of enduring. The tension of waiting or the tension of enduring, right? To wait for something. So hope is not, you know, um, just hope my circumstance turn around, uh, you know, or just hope for my situation to get better. No, hope is more so about waiting, waiting, okay? So we're going to look a little deeper into this waiting aspect of hope, right? Eagerly waiting. It's, it's, I'm so eager that it's like I'm tense. The eagerness is like I'm tense, okay? So we're going to look into that a little bit deeper. All right, so once again, hope is not about circumstances. That's optimism. Hope is about the person, right? So this puts a little different spin on what hope truly means. So... Can you say hopeful even if circumstances don't get better? Mm, okay. Even if you don't, even if you can't see the light of day, uh -huh. can you say hopeful? Come on now. Come on, Deacon. Can you keep yeah. hope when everything is going wrong? Yeah. And it doesn't seem like God is on your side. That's right. All right, you're talking. Can you keep hope? So this is the true biblical essence of what hope really is. That even when the situation seems like it's not getting better, I still believe in a greater promise. And I can just live with whatever crap is going on and I can keep my peace because I have a greater hope. Right? That's that's the true essence of hope. So we can't confuse hope with optimism, right? Because you can't be swayed by circumstances. Right. That ain't hope. All right, you can't be swayed by nothing. So optimism is the choice to see how circumstances could work out for the best. Okay. Hope, once again, isn't about circumstances. It's the recognition that even if my circumstances don't change, or even if things do not get better, I choose hope anyway. Uh -huh. 
So hope isn't a vain thing. It's a real anticipation. It's a real anticipation of something greater. Let's go to Isaiah 8. Might be short and sweet message today. Straight to the point. No, take time. Take time. Son. So Isaiah, the chapter. <laughs> you know, starting verse. You know, Isaiah 8, chapter starting in verse 11. Because Isaiah 8, starting in 11. Uh, so this is him prophesying um, about us being destroyed by the Assyrians. So verse 11 says, For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand. And instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, "Say ye not a say ye not, uh, say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say, a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself, and let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. And He shall be for a sanctuary, before a stone of stumbling, for a rock." of offense to both the houses of Israel for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Find up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. And I will wait upon the Lord. I will wait upon the Lord that um, hideth his face from the house of Yahweh, and I will look for him. Alright? So Isaiah... He's been getting backlash for the prophecies that he's prophesied to the people. Israel is en route to be destroyed by the Assyrians, but yet Isaiah's anticipation is for Yah to show himself again. So even in the midst of, you know, I, I, well, we're going to get destroyed, the Assyrians going to destroy us, going to kill us, he still has the anticipation that Yah is going to show himself again. So he held on to the hope, even though. The word seems like such a harsh and such a word, it just, it just seems so negative. But he understands that there's a greater hope. So he chose hope in the midst of what we call judgment from the Most High. Okay? So when we look at this aspect of having anticipation for something greater, even in the midst of chaos, now we have to ask ourselves a question. Do we love Yah or not? Do we love him or not? Because if our love and devotion is based upon circumstances or whether things go right or not, then that means you are just using God for what you want. That's not true love, right? You can't be swayed by circumstances because things are high. You're all high. When things are low, now all of a sudden you don't believe nothing. That's not true love. That's not true devotion. It's not, right? So we can't be operating like that, right? Always wavering. You know, circumstances are high, all of a sudden now I can praise him. Because it's, it's, it's easy to praise the Most High when everything's going good. It's easy to say that I trust and I believe. I got faith when everything is just perfect and right. But it's those situations that when, that we, the situations that just feel so unfathomable. Those situations that feel like I just can't get out of this. Those situations that feel like, you know, where is the Most High? Where are you? Those situations are, is what most I was looking for, right? For you to be faithful. Those situations. Because he's, even, he's there even in those situations. When, he, when you don't think that he's there, when you don't think that he's working, in those situations, he's still working. 
He's still working, right? EO lost everything, right? But, in, but, but, but the reward at the end was to get a, get a greater inheritance, to get to the land of greater inheritance, right? So, so the most is always working behind the scenes, even when he, even, even, if it, even if it don't think or seem like he is, he's always working behind the scenes, always, right? So when you have a wavering faith, when you're always up and down, that's what you call being double-minded, okay? So let's go to James 1 real quick on that, James 1. So James, the first chapter, Marie 1 through 18. So James, the first chapter, and it says, um, James, the servant of God and of the Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, mm -hmm. greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. It says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Right, so a lot of times the reason why we go through a lot of these things is because the most high is trying to build up patience within us. Okay, keep going. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect in um, entirely um, um, and wanting nothing. Okay, so be, so but let patience have her perfect work, right? And it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him but let him ask in faith nothing wavering for if for he that waver is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the lord so stop there if so those that are wavering you can't expect to receive anything from the most high right you can't expect to receive anything from most high you have no patience most high, most high is not looking for people that are impatient Right, he's looking for those that will allow him to work in them and, and work that patience within them. Okay, and that's how you become effective. You know, being patient, waiting, like keeping that hope. Let's keep going. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Right. So once again, a wavering faith is like the same as a double-minded man. Right. You cannot have a wavering faith because a wavering faith you cannot be perfected. If your faith is always wavering, you cannot be perfected that way. All right. So now we're gonna to go to Psalms 42. We'll look at David and how he handled a time of distress that he was in. All right. So let's go to Psalms 42. So um, Psalms 42. So Psalms 42. So this is Psalm. So it, this Psalm is said to be attributed to David. In a time of deep distress, um, this was a time where um, his son Absalom took over the throne uh, and put a price on his head, uh, which sent him into hiding. And so, um, obviously, at this point, you know, he usurped the um, absolutely usurped the throne. He got um, all of Israel on his side, and you know, David did give advice to pretty much, you know, you need to go, you need to flee, um, and escape Jerusalem. Um, and so, we're gonna read about David's attitude, like during this time. So Psalms 42 pretty much explains this time very, very well. All right, so if you're there, hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so Psalms 42, and I'm gonna start in verse one. As the heart panted after the water brooks, so panted my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. 
when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with multitudes that kept um, holy day. So I'm going to stop right there. So we look at verse um, 3. It says, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continue saying to me, where is thy God? So at this point, it seems that God has been distant from David with everything going left, right? You know, you know his son is up the throne, everybody going against him. You know, his, his, his advisor is just like, man, where is your God? What's going on? Everything going left. I thought you you boast about all these great things of Yah, and it looks like ain't nothing going right for you right now. Where is your God at? You know, so at this point, you know, the people in his ear, things going left. It just seems like there's no way out, right? And it seems that his kingdom is in danger. Um, and so that's where we at in this verse. And I just thought that was that was crazy. So it says, so I put, so I put this verse hit home because many times we boast in Yah and his promises. And when things seem to not be coming to pass, or when things are not, or we don't think that Yah is showing up, or if things aren't going to plan, a lot of times that causes us to lose hope, right? So in this situation, David could have easily lost hope in the Most High, lost hope in the situation, lost hope in the promises, because he's in a dire situation to where, you know, price on his head, the whole nation is against him, and he just says, nothing, nothing's looking up for him at this point. But he keeps his hope. So let's keep reading. So let me read verse 4 again. It says, um, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. So David, even in this time, he remembered the things and he poured out his soul and he kept his joy. Right? He kept his joy. Right? He remembers the holy festivals. So it says right here, that he says, with the multitude, they kept holy day. So David remembers the joy of the festivals, the joy of the holy things, and that kept him going, right? He remembers he's a car, all the good things that God has done for him, right? And that joy and that and, and, and that stuff kept him going, right? So now, sorry. So verse 5, it says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. So now we see David is speaking to his soul, or in this instance, he's speaking to his heart, his mind. And he speaks to his soul and tells himself to hope in God, to make his countenance great again. He's not even asking for a change in his circumstance. He's asking for a change in countenance, right? So even though he's going through a lot of turmoil, his son is being wavered. His kingdom seems to be getting usurped. He still keeps his mind and his hope in God to change his countenance, to keep him high, to keep him in a state to where he can he, he can keep his joy and his peace, right? Can we do the same with everything going left, with everything going wrong, right? Can we have, can we speak to our soul? Can we speak to our mind and keep thinking on the things of the scriptures? Keep thinking of the word, keep thinking of the things that the most has done for us throughout our life. Can we do that? Can we do that? Um, so let's keep going. So it says, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Massar. Deep calleth unto deep as 
the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. The health of my countenance. So he understands that even though it seems that God's forgotten him, he, he's going through a lot of reproach from his enemies. He still has hope in God because he knows that God is the health of his countenance. All right. So let's look at the first time we see hope used or yachal. Yachal used. Let's go to Genesis, the first chapter. We're going to look at um, something that truly, you know, waited and kept their hope. Once again, hope is about patience, it's about waiting. Right. All right. So let's go to Genesis. Um, chapter 1 and verse, sorry, verse 9. So, you get there and say hallelujah. All right, well, I got it up here anyway. Oh, well. So, Genesis 1, starting at verse 9, it says, God said, Let the water below the sky be gathered into one area that the dry land may appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and called the gathering of the waters seas. And God saw that this was so, that this was good. So when we look at um Yikavu, right? Or how the water below the sky be gathered. So that word right there um, is kaba, which is once again to wait or to hope. So we see that the waters gathered, right? The waters gathered. Waiting on God. So the water's gathered and waiting on, on the most high. Okay. So we see here that it says gathered, and it's talking about how the waters waited for Yah's plan to go forth into action. Okay. So they waited in hopeful. So the waters waited in hopeful anticipation. The water did not move on its own accord, but according to the word of Yah. So follow me. So now skip down to verses 21 and 22. So this is the culmination of, of the waters waiting. So God created the great sea monsters and all the living creatures of every kind that creep, which the waters brought forth in swarms, and all the winged birds of every kind, and God saw that this was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fertile and increase, fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. So when the waters waited on Yah, they were given their purpose. Let's say it again. When the waters waited on Yah, they were given their purpose. Our problem is we don't like waiting on God. We like to move on our own accord, right? Like move on our own accord. And when we move on our own accord, we miss out on our purpose. The waters moved when Yah told them to move. Therefore, they were given their purpose, right? So we have to be able to be people that can wait on God's word to move that way we can understand our purpose. This is why most people do not understand their purpose because they move on their own accord and not according to the word of Yah. So if you feel like you haven't found your purpose, it's because you're probably impatient. 
So you have to allow the word to guide you. Right? You have to allow the word to guide you and what you need to do. Allow the word to guide you and what you need to do. Many of the great people in the book understood that their purpose, right, that their purpose because, or they understood the purpose because they were patient enough to only move when Yah said to move. Abraham went when Yah said to go. Okay? So sometimes being still and listening, studying, fasting, praying, meditating is the key to the closest with God and hearing the word that he gives you. So sometimes we're so distracted with the things around the world, we don't hear Yah speaking. So when we don't hear Yah speaking, we don't move on his accord. And therefore, we miss out on our purpose. The waters waited with anticipation, with great hope. And when the waters waited, God gave him their purpose to be filled. You need to be like the water. Be like the water. So now, Numbers 21. Uh, I got it on the screen. If you can't see it, you can go to it and see that. So Numbers 21. I'm going to read this. So it says, And when the king arrived, the Canaanites, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged or much impatient because of the way. So we see up here that the fight against the Canaanites, Israel vowed a vow. Mosai hears the voice and delivers them. And Mosai did that for them. And right in the next verse, they journey, they're journeying from Mount Hor, and they get impatient, by the way. Keep reading. The people spake against God and against Moses, wherefore have ye brought us up out of, the, out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. So, a lot of times, this is how we usually are on our journey. Yah goes out of his way to show us he loves us, to show us that he cares. Um, he's looking to guide us, he's looking to direct us, he's looking to help us to find our purpose. He defeats Canaanites for us, he defeats enemies for us. But as soon as things do not go our way, we get impatient. And when we get impatient, that is when the serpent comes in and distorts our mind. Right, so the source of mind to believe that Yah was never there. That's what happens. Yah, Yah does so much in our life. As soon as something goes left one time, this is like he was never there. You don't remember nothing now. You don't remember none of the great stuff he even did. Now all of a sudden he's just like, what? Where you at, God? Where you at? You don't do nothing for me. What's going on? Why am I? Why am I going through this? Once again, we. You have to strengthen the mind. Yes. All this stuff is in the mind. Yes. Hashatan ain't got no power. He knows how to attack your mind. He just saved you from the Canaanites. Yes. A verse ago. <laughs> now you, by the way, now you're impatient. 
And now the serpent came in and killed you. Patience is the result of a greater hope. And impatience is the result of lack of hope. Patience is the result of a greater hope. And impatience is the result of lack of hope. Go to Psalms 106. Let's say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, Psalm 106. I'm going to start in verse 8. Hallelujah. hallelujah. All right, so it says, Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They waited not. They waited not. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Hmm. So this is a different word for wait. There's, there's another word for wait, but the point is, we don't wait on his counsel. We don't truly long for what he wants. That's our issue. We lust after things that he don't care about. Uh oh. Uh oh. And that's what keeps us going astray. Because we really, we really say we love the Most High, but we really want him to do what we want him to do. Uh oh. That's the that's the issue. We don't want to do what. He wants to do. We want to do what we want. To, we want him to do what we want him to do. That's right. We praise him in a parameter that's in our own box. But that's not true faithfulness to him. You have to wait on his counsel, on his counsel, not our. You're not counseling him. You're counseling us. Right? You don't. You don't need your counsel. You need his. So. We have to wait on his counsel. And when we don't wait on his counsel, our soul goes to lusting after other things. And that's when the most high is angry. That's when the most high gets furious. Because like I didn't did this for you. I didn't I didn't uh, uh, saved you for my name's sake. I, I brought you out through the Red Sea. I saved you by my hand. I redeemed you from the hand of your enemy. It said all this, but yet you forgot the work and you did not wait on my counsel. So now go to EO. Job 30. Job 30. Job the 30th chapter, and we're going to be in verse 23. Because this is this, because this right here, this, this is just a realistic picture of how we talk. But, you know, there's a greater reward here for EO. So, Yo, 30, starting verse 23, it says, For I know that thou wilt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. Howbeit, he will not stretch out his hands to the grave, though they cry in his destruction. Did not I weep for him that was in trouble? Was not my soul grieved for the poor? See, I, I did all these great things. I didn't weep for the poor. I didn't 
We for those that were in trouble, why me? When I looked for good, then evil came unto me. And when I waited for light, there came darkness. My bowels boiled and rested not. The days of affliction prevented me. I went mourning without the sun. I stood up and I cried in the congregation. I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. My skin is black upon me and my bones are burnt with heat. My heart also is turned to mourning and my organ into the voice of them that eat. Right? So we see here for Job, it seems that all hope is lost. But we see that as the as as chapters keep going, he keeps his faith and there was a reward at the end. And the reward was he was able to inherit the land that got set aside for him. Right? So even when it seemed like he's doing good and the darkness is coming, he's doing good and all this stuff is happening, he has all these afflictions, right? He, can, he keeps his faith and there was a reward at the end, right? There was a reward at the end. So we have to keep our faith, we have to keep our hope. So, Psalm 37, let me read verses 9 and 34. So it says, For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Right. So inheritance will be there for those who wait, for those who keep hope. Right. That's who will get the inheritance. Right. For those that wait. Wait on the Lord. Once again, it's not about your timing. It's his time. That's right. You might have got to wait 10 years, one year, a week, a month. It don't matter how long it is. You have to be, you have to move according to his time. But at the end of the day, if you hope, if you wait, if you have that strong anticipation on him, keep your mind on him, stay focused on him, he will give you inheritance. He will bless you. But you just got to be patient. Always be patient is you have to keep the hope, keep that hope within your mind and allow the patience to be working within you, right? So Israel's whole purpose is to inherit the things that God has for them. All God wants us to do is to keep hope and wait. Our history is all about a long wait. It's always about a long wait. Joseph was in Potiphar's house and in prison for 13 years. Before he received, before he became second in command in Egypt. Abraham had to wait 25 years after he was told that he was going to have a child. It happened after 25 years. The prophets prophesied for decades about destructions to come, but they stayed faithful and spoke the word of Yah. We have no excuse to be so impatient. Absolutely not. These people went through hell and hot water yeah. and kept their faith. So three Hebrew boys, we talk about them all the time. About to be thrown in fire. They kept their faith. And they knew they, they, they understood. If even if I die, yeah. it's okay. Most high got me anyway. It don't matter. In death, in life, as long as I'm on his side, it don't matter. Moshe didn't even get to see the promised land. He kept faith. He kept hope. Right? Abraham is the father of many nations. Through his faithfulness, through his hope, through the hope that he had, right, he was able to be a father of a multitude of nations. His life is still important 
to this day. He lived back way back in BC time. We're in 2022, and we still heap about Abraham and his works. It's bigger than us. That's right. It's about the bigger picture. The reason why we go through stuff, trials, tribulations, and go through pitfalls and seem like our life is a complete hell sometimes, yeah. is because he's trying to build us up to be lights to other people and to build future generations. Yeah. It's not about you. It's about the bigger picture. Right. You're going to be dead longer than you're going to be living. So it's about leaving the mark of light for the next generations to, to, to carry the torch. Right. So we can endure some little hardship, but at the end of the day, if it helps thousands of generations, then spend all praise to God. So there is a purpose in hope. It helps you to wait. It builds patience. It builds faith. And if you have hope, which builds patience, which builds faith, then you can keep your eyes on Yah. And just not the promise itself. It's all about him. You don't have to keep your eyes on the promise itself. Keep your eyes on Yah. Keep your eyes on Yah. Keep your eyes on Yah. So, the promise is a luxury, but having Yah is necessary. Oh, yeah. What, what you mean, John? Well, you may not never get to see the promise. Most of the time I give you a word that's for 10 generations down the line. That's true. Mm -hmm. So don't focus on the promise. Focus on Yah. That's right. He'll that's bring right. forth the promise, whether it's after your time or during your time. That don't matter. Focus on him, not the promise. Because if you focus on the promise, now it becomes a circumstantial relationship. That's right. Now it becomes, you said this was going to happen. Why ain't it happening yet? Don't worry about when it's going to happen. It might not be in your time. That was slow-mo problem. Thought he was going to be the, be the messianic, he was the messianic person in the messianic era. Having all these women. You ain't <laughs> you, bro. You ain't it yet. <laughs> so you have to understand that it's not about the, the promise is the luxury. But having Yah is the necessity. You need him. Right? So we have to think about all of the righteous men and women who never got to physically receive or see things come to pass. But yet they still value their relationship with Yah. That's right. So do you value your relationship with Yah even if even if nothing gets better? Let's say nothing don't get let's see nothing, let's say nothing get better. Stuff so keep tumbling. And it seems like it's not an end. Do you value your relationship with Yah to keep pushing forward even if things keep tumbling? Do you value your relationship with the most high? Or is it only uh I value it if you give me something? Mm. hope is the only thing that can lead us to salvation if we expect to be saved we have to endure until the end and the only way to endure is by keeping your hope in God you must hope in salvation so let's go to Lamentations excuse me Hallelujah, right. there. So Lamentations, the third chapter. <laughs> third chapter, verse 22. Let's start in verse 22. All right, and it says, 
It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. So we wait on Yahshua because we know that he is going to be the one to restore peace back on earth. And he is that salvation. So let's go to Luke. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Luke, the second chapter, and we're going to be in verse 25. Uh -huh. So Luke, second chapter, verse 25. And I thought this was good. Um, so this is um, Simeon being able to see um, Yahshua before he, before he left. So it says, and behold, there was, uh, make sure I'm right. Yeah, so and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him, or the Ruach or the Ruach was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord, that he had seen the Lord Christ. He came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Yahshua to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Um, let's see, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to the lightning, the Gentiles, and the glory of the people of Israel. So this is when Simeon sees Yah's salvation, sees Yahshua. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. So since he hoped in Yah's salvation, the spirit within him to be able to see salvation and depart in peace. Because he eagerly waited for salvation. He eagerly hoped, right, in that salvation. So he was able to lead with peace. And he was able to see salvation. So once again, hope brings peace. Because when you hope, right, and you keep that hope in something greater, right, it strengthens you to be able to move on, to be able to move forward. It strengthens you. Right? Let's go to Yoke 9 14. Or John. Hallelujah. All right. So Yoke 9 14, Marie verses 1 through 3. Uh -huh. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Hmm. Now let's go to Hebrews 9. Oh, you're saying this, Anna? Okay. Dang. All right, so Hebrews 9. <laughs> Hebrews 9, uh, let's see, in 
verse 25. And it says, uh, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with, uh, wait, Um, sorry, verse 23. It was it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. For, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth of the truth, um, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered to the holy place every year with the blood of others. But then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world, he have, uh, have he appeared to put away sin and the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And to them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So salvation will come to those who, who wait eagerly. And are not saints of heart. So salvation will come to those who wait eagerly and are not saints of heart. Mm -hmm. Right? But we have to be looking, we have to be waiting eagerly for salvation. We have to be waiting eagerly for it. We cannot wait, we can't be we can't be faint of heart. Right? Like James 1, it can't be that double-minded person is always wavering. You can't you're not going to receive anything from most times wavering. Because you will miss out on what he has for you by wavering all the time. You're going to miss out on what he got. He just wants you to wait patiently, eagerly, with tension, with, 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 with true anticipation. Right? So, I always like this verse because it just epitomizes how we should hope in God. In Romans 4 and 18, it says, Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. Read it again. Against all odds, against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word, and as a result, he became the father of many nations. Right? His work still lives today. From keeping his hope. Still lives on today. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. So let's just say Abraham wavered. Let's just say he wavered. With all this stuff happening today, he kept his hope. He, he, he believed in the promise. He expected Yah to do what he said. No matter how ugly his situation may have looked, it didn't matter. He kept his hope. Right. He kept his hope. All right. So, Yimiel, can you press this picture? I'm going to read an article before we end it off. Um, press the picture. This uh, article um, talking about the health benefits of hope. So now we're going to look into some more sciencey reasons of why hope is so important, prevalent, we need it. All right. So let's keep going. Go, go down. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. All right. Right there. Hope. Hope improves your physical health. So. It says, many studies have shown a wide range of physical health benefits of increased hope, including a higher functioning immune system, better prognosis in chronic illness, 
and decreased sensations of pain. This likely has to do with several components of hope that are so potent. One is that when we have hope, we are more likely to think of a specific pathway of how to move forward in the ways that will bring us a sense of agency. We feel less helpless and less uncertain about the future. And helplessness and uncertainty both increase our stress in ways that can be detrimental to our health over time. Hmm. So stress, worry, depression, these things are opposite of being hopeful. Those are indicators that you are probably patient, probably lack a lot of faith, a lot of trust, right? Now, it says increased hope also gives us a buffer in order to sustain some setbacks. It can help with our resilience when there are bumps in the road, helping us have the energy to continue on the path that we are on before giving up. Yeah. Help improves your emotional health. Higher hope is associated with lower levels of anxiety and depression. Yeah. Of course, this isn't a surprise as hopelessness itself can be a symptom of depression. Yeah. So it stands to reason that hope and depression would be negatively correlated. But it also may well be true that hope helps protect against depression in the first place. By having a more optimistic outlook, you are better able to avoid the all or none thinking that keeps you in the mental rut of believing that when one thing goes wrong, everything goes better. So you see what happens when you lose hope? You think every little bad thing that happens is just everything's just wrong. Everything's off. Ain't nothing going to ever get better. That's what happens when you lose hope, when you're impatient. Let's keep going. It's speaking for itself. Hope helps you choose healthier behaviors. Hope also may very well motivate us to choose better behaviors, creating a cyclical pattern that keeps perpetuating itself. You may know someone who started taking better care of their physical health once they had grandchildren they wanted to live a long time for. Or someone who finally got the job that they wanted and then decided to clean up other areas of their life to go along with it. When we feel like there are the possibilities of good things ahead, we tend to strengthen those possibilities by nudging ourselves along into healthier behaviors. So when you have hope, you tend to nudge off the things that are that are detrimental to your health. When you have hope within you, you tend to grow in all areas of your life. Let's see. Let's go down. Not being unrealistically positive. So hope is not being unrealistically positive. So this is a good one right here. As much as I am a believer in the power of hope, I have also written extensively about the damage we do. We believe we should simply think positive. The I just believe in Jesus' name and live however I want to live. All right. So uh -oh. to be clear, none of this discussion on hope should imply that we should flee from negative thoughts or emotions, or we should force ourselves to see only the bright side. So what's the, what's the problem is? Is a lot of negative thoughts come into our mind. We do negative actions. We transgress the Torah. A lot of what we do is we run because we feel ashamed about the stupid stuff we didn't did. And so instead of actually going to the most high and repenting, sometimes when we feel ashamed of our wickedness, we just run and hide. That doesn't help a situation. You have to understand positive, negative thoughts, negative actions, transgressing Torah, it's inevitable. We're going to do it. You have to be comfortable with that reality. That the evil inclination is is always going to be there. That's right. We can't just think that 
you know, I had a bad thought and now all of a sudden I'm ashamed and there's this woe is me. It's okay. Bad thoughts are going to happen. We're going to do bad actions. We're going to transgress Torah. We're going to do things that are not pleasant to the most high. We're going to, it's going to happen. But we have to understand that that's a part of life. It's okay. It's going to happen. But it's how you deal with it's how you deal with it. Yeah. It's how you deal with it. Yeah. So we'll read that part one again. To be clear, none of this discussion on hope should imply that we should flee from negative thoughts or emotions, or we should force ourselves to see only the bright side. Those techniques typically fail to make us feel any better, and, and really even worse. They often create added stress of feeling bad about our bad feelings, or they make us flee to self-destructive behaviors in order to avoid feeling those emotions that we think The practice of learning that behaviors are so detrimental to, to where you make it steering your own to the point where now you're even worse than where you was before. You have to be able to cope with bad feelings. A lot of what we do is we put band aids on stuff and we really never get better, but we trickle down and get really worse. You can't put band aids on stuff. You have to deal with those bad emotions, those bad feelings, those bad mental lapses that we have. You have to be able to conquer those things. You have to conquer it. Right, so we have to understand that those negative things are going to happen. Right? It's going to happen. So it says, for hope in a realistic way um, and choose to lean into it, but let it be part of the larger whole. You need not avoid the grief and distress that go along with the big picture. So when we look in the scriptures, we see Eo didn't, he, he, he didn't avoid the grief. Yeah, I'm weak. Yeah, why are you doing this? Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, I'm hopeless. Yeah, me. He was real. This was, those are real emotions. But he dealt with those real emotions. He processed those real emotions. He was able to get through those emotions, and then he was able to keep his hope because even though he dealt with those negative emotions, but he usurped those negative emotions with thinking about the positive side. And so when he was able to think about the positive side, now he's able to be strengthened to keep moving forward. Right? So we read some of these words from the prophets. They were very real. They were very distressed. They, uh, you know, David in the Psalms, like, you know, he talked about being distressed a lot, but he kept his hope in the most high, right? He kept his hope. So um, you don't have to avoid the grief or the stress, all right? So it says, in fact, hope or light can be that much more exquisite and meaningful when it comes with full acknowledgement. Let's keep going down. So, uh, all right. I think that's uh, all right. So, um I thought that was good and so um once again so to end off um it's important that we hang on to hope it's important because when we don't hang on to hope we veer off the path because hope is a greater anticipation for something greater it's a it's a tense anticipation for something ahead right and when we don't have that anticipation for the kingdom, we don't have that anticipation for Yahshua, we don't have that anticipation, we tend to lose ourselves. We tend to not be productive. We tend to be unhealthy. We tend to have bad patterns. We tend to, uh, uh, we tend to develop things that are not beneficial because we lose hope. We lose hope. So we have to keep that hope. One thing that I admire about the first century Jews is that they kept the kingdom mindset. And so that's why they, they were able to identify the Messiah so quick because they had a sense of urgency when it came to the kingdom, when it came to uh, 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 Yahshua, when it comes to the Messiah saving them. 
right? They kept their eyes on, they kept their hope in salvation. And so therefore they were able to continue to push forward, right? So um, that's all I have for you today. Shabbat Shalom. All right, so Father God, we thank you to Father for this day. Thank you for listening to Restoring the Branches Ministries. Our website is www.restoringthebranches.org. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also email us at restoringthebranches at gmail.com. Shalom.